President of the United States. Go, Mr. President. Let's go. And how long is it expect, uh, fair to expect American drivers to continue to pay a premium because of this war? The second part of the question was, would it bring down the price? Will it bring down prices? And, and the war has pushed prices up. They could go as high as $200 a barrel, some analysts think. <clears throat> How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes, so Russia cannot. As long as it takes, folks. That's how long you're going to pay those high gas prices. And believe me, it's going to take... Years and years and years. Welcome to GamCast for July 1st, 2022. It is a cloudy day. Looks like it's going to rain here in Atlanta. Hopefully give us a break from the heat. A very, very slow news day. So you know what that means. It means I have a ton of things to talk about. I'm kind of hoping I can get it done in 30 minutes. We shall see. We're going to talk about Biden, what's going on there. And the theme of the show today is going to be, I want you to understand the grift that the media and the leftists and the Democrats, and I, I know I repeat myself when I say that, that they're working on the American people. And they've been intending to do this for a long time, and they are they are right at the precipice of pulling this off. So we're going to talk about a little bit of January 6th. We're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to actually talk about the recent story about the illegals that were uh, in the truck. 53 of them died. You probably heard about it. I wasn't going to cover it here, but it finally got into something that we do here. We don't do the typical stories that other people do, so I didn't really cover that the fact that those uh, illegals had died, but it, something came up today, so it's in our on our radar. So let's just real quickly debunk this Biden nonsense out there of him saying we're going to have to stay there as long as it takes. As you know, as you know, and you, those of you've been listening for a while, those of you new may not know this, but I was against this whole Russia Ukraine thing from the beginning. I saw it for the hoax it was right from the beginning, and longtime listeners know that I called it that. I lost a lot of listeners over that. I don't care. You're being hoaxed. It is none of our business over there. They're not a NATO member. It is a regional conflict. And everything that has happened, I said it then, I'm saying it now, every single solitary thing that's happened demonstrates it is nothing but a way for them to send money there that then gets laundered back here, both figuratively and literally. That's all it is, folks. That's all it is. And now you've got the President of the United States saying things like, as long as it takes. I didn't play the question that wasn't in the clip, but the clip was, it's not even working, right? And understand, what you're doing isn't working. Russia's winning the war. They're making more money now than they were before, right? All you're doing is endangering our economies and taking, you know, giving the U.S. dollar a chance to not be the world currency. This isn't helping anybody. But that's not the point, folks. I think I had something in the bit yesterday. I don't think I got to it. But there was somebody that was pointing something out that wasn't working. And people, the person basically said, that, that didn't really matter. They don't care. I said a lot, I say a lot, a lot that Democrats um, don't care about elections because they don't. And they, they, they're trying to build a structure where they're no longer even subject to elections. And when they get to that point, it's over. I hadn't done this in a while, but, you know, they say lily pads double every day. Well, if you're, you know, if your lily pad is covered by lily pads, you have to understand that the day before it was only half covered. The day before, it was only a quarter covered. That's where we are, folks. We're at a quarter or a half. I'm not sure which. But we are very quickly going to fall off the precipice. And I've seen this coming for quite some time. Here's a quote from Antonin Scalia. It's a little bit of a long quote, but I want you to listen to it. And, and the reason I've seen this coming for a long time is because this is a battle they've wanted to have for a long time. 
The left never liked the Constitution. They've never liked America. Now, they, they, there was a time when they had to pretend that they did. This is the time that Scalia's in, okay? I, it's a C-SPAN. I, I, I can't, looking at Scalia, I, I'm guessing it's from the 90s. It could, it could actually be from part of the 80s. I don't know. It came up on my Twitter feed. I don't know when this is, but it was sometime in the 80s or 90s. It's possible it's 2000s, but I doubt it. And I want you to listen to this sentiment. And th- at this time, what he's saying is absolutely true, generally, of the, of the sentiment of Americans. But the Democrat Party does not believe in this sentiment that he's talking about. And I remember not long ago when the, when the, um, the communists over at Vox were basically saying that we'd have been better off remaining an English colony because we would have the Canadian Parliament Center. That was like one of the three big things that this person extolled as a virtue. They hate this system of government we have. But anyway, let, let me listen to a little bit of Scalia, and I'll come back and tell you why we're seeing what we're seeing today. But I want you to understand while you're listening to this, the Democrat Party had to pretend they believed in this system back in these days. You know, the, the Europeans look at this system and they say, well, it passes one house, it doesn't pass the other house, sometimes the other house is in the control of a different party, it passes both, and then this president who has a veto power vetoes it, and they look at this and they say, uh, it, is, it is gridlock. <laughs> and and I, I hear Americans saying this nowadays, and there's a lot of it going around. They, they talk about a dysfunctional government. Be, be, because there's disagreement, and, 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 they, and the framers would have said, yes, that's exactly the way we set it up. We, we wanted this to be power, uh, contradicting power, because the main, uh, the main ill that beset us, as, as Hamilton said in, in, in The Federalist, when he talked about a separate Senate, he said, yes, it seems inconvenient, but inasmuch as the main ill that besets us is an excess of legislation, it won't be so bad. This is 1787. He didn't know what an excess of legislation was. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, we miss Nino. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the greatest Supreme Court justices to ever um, grace the Supreme Court there, Anthony Scalia. I'm going to let him, He's got one more thing he's going to say in a minute. I'm going to play that. But I, I want you to understand, and I, I wish I knew when he had said this. Again, I think it's 80s or 90s. But, you know, back then, people at least pretended. The Democrats at least pretended. Right. I remember as far back as Jimmy Carter saying things like, well, the problem with this Constitution is you can't really get anything done unless there was an emergency. And he got a lot of brushback. Back then, back at this time, most people understood and appreciated the beauty of the American system. And, and, and the, he's exactly right here. And, and I, I remember when this term gridlock started to come up. And a lot of us were like, yeah, that's the whole point. If, you, if the gridlock, gridlock is actually working, so I say this all the time, you'll hear people refer to something as a loophole. Anytime you hear somebody refer to something as a loophole, your brain should understand that means it's the law. It's the boyfriend law, not the boyfriend loophole. You're calling it a loophole because you don't like the law. And so a perfect example of that is, I think in this recent gun legislation, the boy, quote-unquote boyfriend loophole was put in there. Now, I think, again, they're going to go too far, as they always do, and then that legislation is going to go up to the Supreme Court, and they're going to strike it down. Because with the boyfriend loophole, I'd never heard of it until they brought it up with this gun legislation. Apparently, under the red flag laws, if, it, if it's a husband or family member, you can swear out a red flag and, and get that person's weapons taken unconstitutionally without due process. Right, and then they said, well, we shouldn't just have family members. We ought to extend it to people that have children together or people that live together. And you have 
All right, okay, fine. All right, we'll extend it to that. And then somebody comes along and says, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I went on a date with somebody, and I noticed they had firearms. I mean, that's a boyfriend. Why shouldn't I be able to do it for them? It's like, because we're not going to have people swearing out warrants against people because they've went on a couple of dates. I mean, it's bad enough for doing it for the family members and the people that live together and have kids. And what they try to do to get you brainwashed is, well, it's a loophole. It's not a loophole. It's the right response. Anyway, so let's get one more thing that Scalia says here. And he's absolutely right about this. And that's another reason I wanted to put it in the bit, because you're going to see when I get to the media today why we're seeing what we're seeing. Here's the other thing that Scalia said about our system, and he's absolutely right about this. So uh, uh, unless Americans can appreciate that and learn learn to love the separation of powers, which means learning to love the gridlock, which the framers believed would be the main protection of minorities, the main protection. If, if a bill is about to pass that really comes down hard on some minority, they think it's terribly unfair, it doesn't take much to throw a monkey wrench into, into, this, into this complex system. So Americans should, uh, should appreciate that, and, and they should learn to love the gridlock. Yeah, it was the protection of minorities. He's exactly right. And it's interesting now that the, 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 a lot of the quote-unquote minorities out there are just wanting to ramrod this system through and have the kind of parliamentarian nonsense that they have over in Europe. So that, that leads us to the story that you probably heard. Apparently, uh, a bunch of illegals, they came over, and then they were in a truck, and apparently the guy that was driving the truck or something was on drugs or something. So he... Uh, they're still a developing story, but apparently for whatever reason, he left the truck and left them in the heat and 51 people died before somebody heard him and got to him. And then two more people died. So I think it's up to 53 people died. Now you would think that the, you know, common sense thing is that, well, um, if we had a border and we had a, uh, literally a border like every time I've ever left the country, I mean, you go through a central place. There's no way to just kind of just ford a river and get over there. But in America, you can do that. Okay. And so you would think, well, this is, this goes to show what happens when you encourage people to come here and they they have easy access to get here. This is at some point going to occur. And you would think anybody with just a a modicum, anybody with an IQ around a hundred or above would understand that this is the Biden administration's fault and the fault of the Democrat Party because they want these people to come and they're encouraging them and there's a bunch of them coming. But again, folks, this is what the media is designed to do. They're designed to, one, basically tell you, right, that you shouldn't believe your lying eyes, right? That's one of the things they do. And the other thing they're there to do is to distract you. So here's an example of literally both. I want to, one, lie to you, and two, distract you. This is Joy Reid. She's talking to some Hispanic um, advocate anyway. Take a listen. It's incredibly tragic, but it feels like these are the kinds of tragedies that happen when you make migration so hard that people become so desperate that they're willing to climb into or put even their children into the back of a, you know, an air-conditioned truck. You know, Joy, uh, it's good to see you too, sweetie. Listen, as I was thinking about this, and you know, right now what you're going to hear is it's the smuggler's fault, it's the smuggler's fault, it's the smuggler's fault. You know, I've been covering this for several decades now, and smugglers have been bringing people over in all of the entirety of the time that I've been covering this story. And you didn't used to hear these kinds of stories, these kinds of deaths. This is, in fact, a result of the police state that exists now <laughs> along the U.S.-Mexico border in general. And in Texas, people just don't realize you right, can't— that's enough of, of, of nonsense from Joy Reid. So it's a police state. You see, it's the police state's fault problem. 
I mean, folks, if you've lived in America for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, you know what's happening. I mean, when I was a kid, my parents were divorced. And when I was with my father, I lived in a farming community. And I remember, like, you know, I was 15, 16, 17. There were a lot of farms, friends of mine, that their fathers had farmers. And, and these immigrants would come up from south of the border, and they would pick all season, and then they would go back south of the border, and everybody sort of was fine with it, you know. I mean, I, I don't know why they allowed them to come over illegally and do that, but they did. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, they just stopped going back, and they just stayed. And people were like, oh, well, I won't cut my own grass. I, I guess I'll just let them stay and cut it. And then now you're starting to get into the point where they're voting, and at least until recently, they're voting overwhelmingly Democrat. And Democrats, again, they don't care about elections. If they cared about elections, they wouldn't just want people that support them to vote, right? But that's that's what they believe. So anyway, so this is all designed to basically tell you that it's your fault, right? And if you want law and order, and there's nothing to see here, this is a police state. It's not an immigration problem, and we didn't create it, okay? Now, while you're distracted and being lied to, real things are going on, which brings us to this story. Google's Gmail censorship cost the GOP candidates $2 billion since 2019, Republicans say, citing a new study. study found Gmail flagged most GOP fundraising emails as spam while allowing de- most Democrat emails to go through. Now, you don't need to meet much more of the story. I've already basically told you the gist. But, folks, this is what's really happening in the real world while you're distracted by the likes of Joy Reid and the January 6th committee. Real things are happening. Okay, and this is something right here. I mean, in a rational society, right? And again, I, I can promise you, you know, I don't know, two decades ago, fifteen years ago, this kind of thing would have been flagged and prosecuted by the DOJ, and most all Americans would have said, "Hey, Google, you can't do that." I mean, even some Democrats would have been like, "Yeah, I mean, we benefited benefited from it, but it's wrong." I'll tell you a story. So when I, I think I told this before, but I went to law school in 1994 in Tallahassee, Florida, and I got down there. I'll never forget. They had these stickers, and uh, for whatever reason, they were blue. They weren't red, but they had these blue stickers, and it said, Jeb, exclamation point. And I was from North Carolina. I didn't know anything. Who's this Jeb guy? I thought maybe some guy that catches gators or something like that. Anyway, come to find out, he was a Republican, and he was a Bush. I didn't know that, but he was the son of George Herbert Walker Bush, and he was running for governor of Florida in 1994. And right before the election, the uh, sitting governor, who was a guy named Lawton Childs, put out a call I think it was a robocall. It may, be, it may have been followed by some pamphlets as well. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter for the point of the story. Basically saying that if Jeb Bush was elected, a lot of seniors would lose something. I, I don't exactly remember. The gist was he scared a bunch of people. And Jeb Bush lost the closest election in Florida history. I mean, he basically lost it. And after the election, the election commission, the Florida election commission, which, by the way, back then was all Democrat. They hadn't had a, a Republican governor. Uh, if they'd ever had one, it would have been Reconstruction, which doesn't count. But anyway, they'd never had a Republican. The whole, all the whole of Florida back then was all Democrat, front, center, and the Republicans were starting to, to come forward. So the Democrat right election commission basically sanctioned Lawton Childs and sanctioned his campaign. I think he had to pay a fine or something and basically said this was improper and it was wrong and all that. Well, folks, now you get to this point and no one's even going to bother. Back then, there was a system where, you know, you're still the governor. I mean, it, it ain't, you know, but, but come on. I mean, we got to go. We got to have some kind of law around here. I mean, you can't just do that. Naughty, don't do that again, you know, and then signal to other people not to do it. But now you have a situation where Google is out there interfering with elections. I mean, $2 billion is a lot. I, I, don't, I don't care if it's $2. It's a lot. But the fact that they're doing that, having your thing go into spam, and folks, anybody who's been on social media and the things I've gone through, I assure you, this happens 
everywhere. I think I mentioned the other day that I had a couple of, uh, I think it was a couple of these podcasts, because I've been doing a lot of other social media stuff too, which is one of the reasons I went to YouTube, so that I think yesterday or the day before yesterday, I did a couple of shorts on the January 6th committee, and I can put those up uh, there. They don't come in podcast form, so you have to go to the YouTube channel if you want to get them. But anyway, and a couple of them were flagged as copyright. And it's like, what's the copyright? And so then you go to Google, and they'll, they'll basically tell you, like, so-and-so complained. I think it was HBO Max or Pop, Time Warner or whatever. And now that I'm an attorney and I've done this several times, I basically just go in there and challenge it, and it takes them a couple of hours, and they pull it back. But the point of that story is they're just doing it. They know darn well it's not a copyright violation. And they know darn well that when these groups complain, like HBO Max or whatever, they should go back and say, HBO Max, I'm sorry, but the great American male has a First Amendment right. If you have a problem, why don't you sue him? No, no, they don't do that. They just they, they get a robo thing that says, hey, this violates our copyright. Bam, they turn you off, shut you down. And then the burden's on you to come back. How many people do you think they shut down that don't know First Amendment law, don't know copyright law, don't know how to get it reversed? And in the meantime, anyway, you get the idea. So that brings us to the January 6th committee, and uh, somebody reached out to me, and I don't know exactly what Tubin has said that the person wanted me to cover, but I think it's it's one of two things, is that Tubin is out there talking about the January 6th committee, and I have one bit that I found on the interwebs. I couldn't find any other, so we'll see. So a couple of things. He's going to say what he's saying here, which I'm going to play for you in a moment. And then number two, he said Republicans are cowards. So I'm going to cover both of them. I'm not sure, again, which issue they wanted me to cover, but I'm going to cover both of them just so you understand that. But before we get to Tubin, and again, he yes, he is the guy that masturbated on camera and had to be suspended for a while, but then, of course, he's a Democrat, so he gets his job. But Tubin is, he is one of these people out here. With Joy Reid, I, I really don't know. I mean, it, it, is, it could easily be possible that Joy Reid is so imbecilic that she actually believes the things that she says, or it could be she's playing the game. I, 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 I'm not really sure, honestly. Okay, Some people I know are playing the game. So Tubin is playing the game, and the game is this. You are to deceive and lie, lie to people. You are to demagogue. Demagogue is saying things you know to be untrue to people you know to be too stupid or, or too disengaged. To, to come back against them. So Tubin is one of these people that he knows because he's got the imprimatur of CNN and he's got his law degree and he's been an author and these kinds of things that people will trust him and then he just lies to them. And the reason I know that he's lying was a few years ago when they redid the O.J. Simpson's uh, uh, story, right, about that trial, they did a, I think it was HBO or somebody did a 10-part series and strangely they decided to get Cuba Gooden Jr. to play O.J. Simpson, which, by the way, folks that not good i mean oj simpson was a big man he's bigger than i am he's probably six foot two six foot three he's a big guy um and i mean i like cuba gooden as an actor but anyway i I digress anyway so i didn't realize it at the time but i love the series it was really good i watched the thing i think i've watched it through twice or something and come to find out that series had been based on a book by jeffrey tubin that that guy tubin it's called, I think it was called O.J. Simpson, The Run of His Life, and it's, the, it's basically about the trial. It's a very thick book. I mean, detailed. I highly recommend it, by the way, if you really want to know the backstory and just how much evidence they had. The book talks about they had a mountain of evidence. I mean, uh, was it Marsha Clark or something she had who had actually ended up trying the case? He, do, he gives you the story about how she basically got the case and she shouldn't have had it and wasn't qualified to do it. But, if she, but to give you the idea, if she had 100 pieces of evidence, right, 
she ended up just basically only using 50 of them because they would move to strike and she would be like, ah, we don't need that anymore. We got so much evidence against this guy. I don't, you know, we don't need that. We'll, we'll defeat him with this. And of course she ended up being wrong. But the point, uh, one of the points that if you read the book is you get some of the evidence you never heard about because the media didn't bother to do their job. Well, Tubin did do his job and he wrote a very, very detailed, compelling book. I mean, just one of the best books about the O.J. Simpson thing I've ever read. And I ended up reading two or three of them after that because I got fascinated with the case. Anyway, I tell you all that to tell you this. Jeffrey Tubin is a smart guy. And if he wants to do the research and do the analysis, he can do it. But he doesn't want to do that. Right. He's here to demagogue you. This is his job. His job is to tell you, hey, don't believe your lying eyes. And then number two, look over here and be distracted so we can do something right that you don't that you don't even know is being done to you. Right. That these people can do. So here's uh, again. And by the way, this audio is not great. It's from some group called um, Grabian or something. So you're going to hear a voiceover. But I, I think you'll be able to hear what Tubin's saying anyway. It's also worth noticing that the, the criticism of Cassidy is completely unspecific. It's like she's crazy, she's a liar, she's a leaker. A social Nothing, climber. A social yeah, climber. But none of, no specific allegation that she is specifically lying about anything, because as far as I'm aware, there is no specific evidence that she lied about anything. Well, I, I mean, to Maggie's point about the big issues Crazy. of the, the president knew the people in the crowd were armed, wanted the magnetometers gone, and wanted to go to the Capitol himself, that's not being challenged by, by these people. I, except that she's being challenged in general and those are incredibly damaging statements that she made and the only people who could conceivably refute them are not talking at all and they're especially not talking under oath or not only refute them but they're the people who actually said these things often and that Cassie Hutchins just repeating because she happened to overhear it um so anyway, so so basically, again, from, from from beginning to end, and if you want to, folks, if, if you're listening to the podcast, go to Great American Mail, all one word, M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E, and YouTube, and we do now come up. I think we're first or, or the second, maybe, but we're, we're moving up because it's starting to put a lot of videos up, then people starting to watch them. So you, you can get them in a Google search. Anyway, I've got a lot of stuff up there about January 6th. I've got her hearing up there. It's got full analysis, the whole two hours and 30 minutes. And then I think I have a couple of shorts about her up there. I think I have at least two. You'll be able to find them pretty quickly if you look um, about her testimony specifically. And so a lot of us have said specific allegations. And, and, and Tubin is smart enough to know that. I mean, for example, we've a lot of us have pointed out that a, what, a lot of what she's saying is hearsay. We've pointed out that the January 6th committee doesn't have anybody cross-examining her, right? We've pointed out that there have been contradictions about what she said. She claimed they were in the beast. They weren't in the beast. Well, although, to be fair, I do believe in being fair. So I have heard through the grapevine that sometimes some people refer to anything that the president is in as the beast. I don't believe that, but people are suggesting it. So they, even though it's clear from the January 6th's own video that they got into SUVs and not the beast, which is the presidential limousine, right, that that may explain that. But it still doesn't explain the fact that the two people are contradicting what was said and the fact that it doesn't make any sense. And I said this immediately on the broadcast when I was doing it live, which is part of the reason why it's fun to do stuff live. I said, I do not believe that a Secret Service agent, or frankly anybody around the president, would grab the president's arm. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that happened. I believe they might have said, sir, I'd urge, or whatever, but I don't think they would grab him. 
right? Nor I don't do I believe that somebody would try to grab a will. I mean, this is just obviously fabricated. But we could go on and on and on about all the different things. I pointed out again, and I think I did a short last night if you want to go watch it, where I pointed out that the committee was so amateurish that they, they had a pretty good witness. They had an attractive woman. She was very soft-spoken. She was a Republican. She seemed to be genuinely concerned about what was going on around her, and they just kept going back to that well too many times, and then eventually she starts talking about the big lie and about how Trump had ruined his legacy, and she was ashamed as an American and all this stuff, and it's like, okay, you just revealed her to be an anti-Trumper. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't necessarily believe or disbelieve at this point, but now that she's an anti-Trumper, there's a lot of things to be said about that. So the other thing that Tubin apparently has said out there when I was looking up the uh, research and the issue, apparently has called uh, Republicans a bunch of cowards for not coming forward and saying anything. And folks, look, I'm sorry to tell you this, but, you know, the Republican Party believes in the Constitution. I, 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 as you know, I read uh, fun fiction, nonfiction, and then classic fiction. So I just finished fun fiction. Uh, Los Alamos, which was about the making of the bomb and, and a, a sort of a murder that happened supposedly during the time. Really fun book. And then so now I'm back to nonfiction, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but I started another series on the Civil War. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm reading The Coming Storm. Uh, I'm trying to think the guy's name. Cannon. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so we're talking about the lead-up to the Civil War, and we're talking about the 1856 conventions of the Democrat Party, which splinters into two Democrat parties and nominates two candidates. And then, of course, the Republican Party nominates – I'm sorry, not 1856, 1860 – nominates uh, Abraham Lincoln, right? But anyway, it's very clear from the early on in the book – that the Republican Party was formed, and part of the reason it was formed was that the Republican Party was going to be, A, against slavery, for sure. That was one of their main things. But they also were for free markets and for constitutional government of the people, by the people, and for the people. A lot of people will try to tell you that the Civil War was just about slavery. For Abraham Lincoln and the Republican Party, it was not. It was, A, to eliminate slavery, and then, B, to make sure that we have government of the people, by the people, for the people. What the Democrat Party stood for was exactly what they stand for now. And then this government of the people, by the people, for the people nonsense. The, 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 the EPA, right, they'll tell you what you'll do. We don't need to pass legislation. The EPA, the experts, they, they say you can't run coal plants and you can't run coal plants. That's what three justices of the Supreme Court honestly believe, that the EPA can just go, oh, well, where's my authority to shut down your coal plant? And, and by the way, your natural gas plant. Oh, and by the way, if and when they do that, and thank God they won't be able to do it now because of a rational Supreme Court. But if they do that, you know where your gas and energy prices are going? Through the roof. And they don't care. Biden doesn't care about that. He's going to do it as long as it takes over there in Russia and Ukraine. You know why? Because you shouldn't be driving that car. You shouldn't be burning fossil fuels. The idea that they care is just incredible to me. But anyway, getting back to Jeffrey Tubin, the Republican Party has always cared about the Constitution. You know, and it's like that, what's that movie, You Had Me at Hello? You had me at committee operating in secret with no minority representation of any kind, no ability to cross-examine, come out and you give presentations. Yeah, I'm against that. I don't care what you're presenting about. I don't care what you're presenting about. I'm against you from the very beginning. And Tubin acting as a Republicans are cowards because they're scared of Trump. Nobody's scared of Trump. We're scared of people violating the Constitution. And also, people also know what's going on here. I mean, when the committee comes out and says, here's an election audit from any state, right? In fact, uh, I think it's um, uh, Robert Barnes has said it many times. Like, you don't even have to do a whole state. Just go get a couple of two or three sections of 50,000 votes here, here, and here, and let's run it 
against the actual voting rolls and go one by one through each one of them. We'll figure it out how fair that election was done. They're not doing that. And the grift now at this point is pretty clear. The reason they're not doing it is because, A, it wouldn't pass muster. If it would, they would have done it by now. So um, as it relates to that grift, there's a a woman on Substack that I occasionally read. She's one of these people. She's not famous, but she has a big following. Her name is Heather Cox Richardson. If you're watching this on YouTube, you are now staring at her Substack page. It's called um, Letters from an American, okay? Now, this person is about as un-American as anybody can be. She's a rabid fascist, leftist communist, huge Democrat supporter. So I'm going to read what she wrote on June, June 27, 2022, and this will explain to you how people like Tubin, he just does it on a larger scale, right? He does the lying on a larger scale. So again, if you want to, go, do my, go watch my analysis, and you will see this in live time where I saw her, and I was told the same thing that Ms. Richardson told us here. We were told two things. One, she had recently obtained evidence. I'm going to read it in a minute. And then B, there was some tampering that might be going on. So we had to get her out there. So I showed up to the stream, was there dutifully live streaming 15 minutes before they started. And it was pretty clear that they had lied to us. But, of course, Heather Cox Richardson and Jeffrey Tubin, they strangely don't talk about that. So let's look into this. This is on June, set, June 27th, okay, 2022, right? So midday today. The House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol announced a hearing to, quote, present recently obtained evidence and receive witness testimony. This is a surprise, and it was not until late today or tonight that reporters confirmed with their sources that the witness will be Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to former President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Hutchinson was the person who revealed that Congress members had asked for pardons. Legal analyst uh, Asha Ragangabo. Rain Gappa, whatever, tweeted that she will be watching to see if Hutchinson can testify that Trump, Meadows, and members of Congress either knew about a planned violence for January 6th to pressure Pence. If so, quote, or quote, if so, it brings them into the crosshairs of seditious conspiracy, close quote, she wrote. Anyway, um, I, I know Asha Rain Gappa because she comes up in my Twitter feed a lot. Again, she's just somebody, I think at one point, that had been in admi- uh, administration. Again, a rabid fascist, leftist communist, doesn't believe in anything of the rule of law. And this, you know, just all down on this uh, January 6th stuff. And I've told you, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Trump didn't want violence because his ability to challenge the certification required peace and quiet. Number two, violence doesn't get you anywhere, folks. You can't take over the U.S. government through violence. That's part of the point of it. But anyway, these people just, they, 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 not, they don't need to worry about a rational presentation. And the reason they don't is because of people like Tubin and Heather Cox Richardson here that I'm, I'm going to get to and prove this to you in a moment. So this is what she wrote before the woman testified. You're looking at it if you're seeing it here on, um, on YouTube. So now I'm going to back out of it. You can see me do it. And I'm not pulling any trickery. Now I'm going to go to June 29th. So now Cassidy has testified, and this is Heather Cox Richardson. She's going to tell you what she testified to, what's going on. Today, the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol subpoenaed former White House uh, counsel Pat, uh, Pasquale Pat Cipollone. The lawyer, who is now in private practice, spoke to the committee on April 13th, but has not talked to the members of Congress on record. In a statement, committee chair Benny Thompson and uh, vice chair Liz Cheney noted that Cipollone's name has come up repeatedly in the hearing as having, quote, legal and other concerns about President Trump's activities on January 6th and the days that preceded, close quote. Testimony has said Cipollone stood with then-acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen to stop Trump from installing Jeffrey Clark in a 
spot to lie to the American people that the 2020 election was fraudulent. He also came up frequently in yesterday's testimony as trying and failing to keep Trump from breaking the law on January 6th. Blah, 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 blah. She goes on and on and on about how these all these people here, uh, former federal prosecutor and co-host, sister-in-law podcast, Joyce White Vance, who's, she's on MSNBC every day. Every day I go to the gym, and every day she's on there talking about, um, about this January 6th committee. According to this, uh, she teaches, I think, at the University of Alabama School of Law. No reason Cipollone shouldn't show up. He can always object to questions that would elicit legitimately privileged information. But at this point, who are you going to protect, the former president or the republic? She doesn't believe in a republic, folks, and she doesn't believe in the rule of law. Of course they want him to show up. In National Review, Andrew C. McCarthy, a person I criticize, if you'll recall, if you're listening to this podcast, called Hutchinson's testimony devastating and said, this, this will not be the same after this. Anyway, she goes on and on and on about how great uh, Hutchinson had done and how the, the January 6th committee goes forward, and this is her job. Her job is not to tell you what actually happened, not to deal with reality, not to demonstrate to you that they lied about her having new evidence. She didn't have any new evidence. They they admitted they had deposed her for five days, and it was clear to anybody that watched that hearing because you kept seeing her show up on video. Is it live or is it Memorex? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, and they had several different interviews because she was wearing different clothes. Right? Nobody does that. Nobody goes to a deposition and says, oh, we're in an hour or two. I'm going to go to the bathroom and change clothes for hour three. No. The fact that she's wearing, and they already admitted it was five different days. And again, they had already preserved the testimony. This is what a show trial is. We, we've got five days of testimony. We get our little staffers to go back there and pick the best parts. Go pick 50 of them that we like, little bits. And then I'm going to get her to add, sprinkle a little live testimony and play the bits I want you to see. Right, and this this person's not being honest about what happened. She's not being honest with her people. That night, that night, people were saying she said the beast, and he was in an SUV. That night, ABC News, and I think it, or NBC News, and I think ABC or two of the Alphabet networks. I don't remember. It, it doesn't matter. Were saying that FBI agents were willing to testify that that didn't happen. Right? They kept talking about the fact that she was a low. Anyway, the point about these people is this person. She got her marching orders on the 27th. She said, oh, da, 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 here's what you're going to happen. And then on the 29th, she comes, and she just basically doesn't mention any of the stuff that she had talked about before, and she just goes on to the new uh, whatever the thing is today that's to A, lie and misinform you, and B, to distract you. And while you're being distracted, what they can do is do things like this. This has been going around. I think it's been viewed a million times. Uh, here's a statement yesterday from the Biden administration following up what the president said about, oh, yeah, we're going to keep fighting in Russia and we're going to keep you know gas prices where they are and et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, this is going on. Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. So it's 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 about the liberal world order, and it's always been about that, folks. I mean that that's what it is for them. And the the, the only difference now versus you know fifteen twenty years ago when we heard that Scalia bit, right, is that now they can say the quiet part out loud. And if you're paying attention, this stuff is pretty clean. I mean, I want you to imagine two years ago. Right, so two years ago takes us back to what, uh, July of 2020. I want you to imagine that in America there would be a committee in Congress that would, out in the open, right, say, "Oh yeah, we're going to go have secret meetings with people and subpoena people and bring them in here and gather a whole bunch of evidence, right, 
And then we're going to, you know, at some point whenever we feel like it, we'll issue a report. And then, you know, we're going to come out and have these quote-unquote, we're going to call them hearings, but there's not going to be any cross-examination. By the way, we're going to have nobody of the opposite party. So if you're the opposite party, you have no ability to see the evidence that we're gathering. If you know, Would you ever imagined that they would, A, have that in America, and B, the media would be silent about it? I mean, you got Jeffrey Tubin, you got Heather Cox, you got everywhere you look, every day when I go to the gym, CNN, MSNBC, they cover January 6th. And the media doesn't even bother to mention that. They, they act like it's something legitimate. So it, it should, I don't know how this thing got a million uh, views, because that's absolutely what they believe, this quote-unquote new world order, liberal world order. Absolutely. And again, folks, if, if, if you don't know that gas prices are purposely where they are now, because they'll make you switch over to green energy. And the fact that green energy isn't ready, they don't care about that. You, you'll, 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 you'll get what you get and like it. It's just as simple as that. So anyway, so I want you to also think about this, and, and this is what's just shocking to me. Okay, so now, and part of the reason you see people like Tube and you see people like Heather Cox Richardson is, it's the tyranny of the majority. They control the culture. They do. I wish they didn't, but they do. I mean, thank God we're in America where you can actually have voices like this one, you know, or Ben Shapiro and other people out there to push back, Jack Posobiec and, and, and Jesse Kelly and others. I mean, thank God we have a system where they can't be shut down and people like that can push back. See, in Europe, you don't have that right. So they, they don't even have you know, people like me out there, right? In, in Europe, there's left and lefter. There's no alternative to it. But I want you to understand how this is taking over everybody. This is an unremarkable Senator Markey. He's from Massachusetts, okay? And again, this guy, you know, he, he wasn't crazy. He's been in the Senate for quite some time. And here's he's out there talking about this. Official attacks must we endure from this illegitimate Supreme Court majority before we act to expand the Supreme Court to bring balance to the bench and restore its legitimacy. Through, through Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, the Republicans stole two Supreme Court seats. That is the basis for their ability on the court now to engage in this radical undermining of set law precedent that has been on the books to protect the American people for a generation. So, folks, I mean, so here's, look, I mean, this is what happens. Once you get the mob started, and the mob has started, okay, you get people talking like this. And, 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 And this is what he's expected to do. Right. And until you figure out how to get the mob settled down, you're going to continue to get people like this guy back when the Democrat Party was rational. He, he knew talking like that was very anti-American. I've told you before, but when uh, when uh, FDR said in the 30s about expanding the court or packing the court because they wouldn't let his new deal through the Democrats, Democrats in Congress wouldn't even wouldn't even call a hearing on it. They said, that's absurd. We're not doing that. And the public, there was a huge backlash. I know that was like 70 years ago, but folks, there's no backlash this time. We might get it. So here's the last story I'm going to leave you with. The sergeant of the arms who died recently, the Senate sergeant of the arms said this recently before he died. This is the constant give and take of security. There is an opportunity to learn lessons from the events of January 6th. Investigation should be considered. As to the funding and traveling, what appears to be professional agitators. First Amendment rights should always be considered in conjunction with these investigations. Law enforcement coordination and... You heard. Professional agitators were present 
on January 6th. And they were apparently paid. He wants investigations into uh, why they were paid, why they were there, how they got there, et cetera. Of course, those investigations, January 6th committee is not talking about. Now, he's dead now, so I guess there's no way for us to talk about it. But again, while we're being distracted and lied to by these people, and it's by design, real things are going on, like lack of investigations into professional agitators on January 6th. Anyway, you're now all caught up to date on the news of the day. And if you like this show, I hope you tune back in tomorrow.